0: A pause on the four-game road trip going into the All-Star break for the Vegas Golden Knights. So two days between games, and then they'll have the back-to-back against the Newark Rangers on Friday and finish it up against the Detroit Red Wings on Saturday. Uh, Today was an off day for the team, no practice, but they did head up to West Point, uh, took the Stanley Cup uh, NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman and uh, Vegas Golden Knights owner Bill Foley on hand as uh, they went to... um, Bill Foley's alma mater uh, about West Point, and I can't wait to hear all the stories and see uh, everything that went into that. Just a very cool, unique experience for the players and the coaching staff and the team personnel, trainers and equipment staff uh, being able to go through uh, what is a, a institution uh, in the United States uh, that's pretty neat uh, and for Bill I know he's gonna have the Stanley Cup uh, in the cafeteria uh, when everybody uh, was in there and uh, Mark Stone was going to be in front of the cafeteria along with Bill and was planning on holding the Stanley Cup up uh, for uh, all the students to see and uh, that goes uh, just a step further because Bill was there as a student mm-hmm. uh, that's where uh, he started out and to be able to go full circle and go back to there uh, with a couple of his classmates Uh, I got a chance to connect with Bill earlier this week on a project and uh, and we were talking about the trip up to West Point and uh, he was going to take uh, a couple of his uh, former classmates uh, that he was in school with at West Point uh, all along for the trip so uh, if you're of a certain age You've got that, uh, and you, you liked high school. Not all, all people liked high school, but there's always that uh, that first trip back or second trip back where you get to go back and you're, you're an adult and you get to talk to teachers and you get to experience it. And it always looks different uh, when you go back. Well, this is a number of years later uh, for Bill. He's been back numerous times since, but he gets to return with uh, one of the greatest prizes in professional sports, the Stanley Cup. So a uh, pretty cool opportunity for Bill. And then subsequently the players to go along and interact uh, with uh the west point uh, students as well
1: yeah it's it's awesome it's a great accomplishment for bill obviously it's a great accomplishment you know what he's been able to do in in terms of his professional career and certainly uh here with the vegas golden knights and you know when you kind of reach the top of the mountain to to kind of go back to your roots a little bit and get to share that uh, in in that experience it's pretty phenomenal
0: that's the thing right like bill foley doesn't have to do that uh he is uh, incredibly successful in the business world and uh now as a uh uh, sports owner and mm-hmm. uh, Foley Entertainment Group uh it has uh, uh it's uh reaches all over from hotels and ranches and vineyards uh it's uh, really now sports teams with uh the premiership and uh the National Hockey League the American Hockey League the uh indoor football league uh volleyball is coming so uh it continues to expand but uh, this was an opportunity to share something with the with the students and uh it also is a great opportunity for the national hockey league to have that exposure that awareness and uh the attention of, of taking the stanley cup uh, up to to west point and i don't i don't know whether it's ever been there before mm-hmm. i don't think it's ever been there in this capacity uh guided along as uh, uh along with the the owner of, of a stanley cup championship team uh that uh, is unique in itself
1: yeah for sure and and again the the fact that it's it's bill foley right that, that gets to do that and um, if it is the the first time or at least the first time in this capacity like it, it couldn't have happened to a better guy and uh you know again it's it's one of those situations where you you achieve something right you work your entire life to uh, to be successful, you work your entire life to be put into a position, or to have a position where you know you can own a team, and, and you can demand excellence, and you can achieve that excellence in in a sport uh, that, that really it's the hardest trophy in the world to win, right? Like it's that for a reason. And, you know, the fact that you were able to do that, that you were able to put a team on the ice that accomplished that in just six seasons is remarkable in and of itself. But then again, uh, to bring it back to your roots, I think that that's the most important thing in all of this. And it's a, it's a great accomplishment for Bill. And, you know, I, I, I know you talk to him. I I wonder where this one's going to rank in terms of his memories that he'll cherish for the rest of his life.
0: There's also the player's, Part of it, mm-hmm. uh, going along with him on this visit to West Point and taking the Stanley Cup, and they're acknowledged by the students uh, at uh, at West Point and are congratulated uh, as they would uh, share their uh, rings uh, if they took them along or the Stanley Cup and probably sign a few autographs. But I don't want to undersell what the players would experience today uh, as well. And there's a uh, a grounding, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. Like these these are cadets. These are students, but uh, part of the military army, mm-hmm. and uh, and what they go through, uh, how their day to day lives and their aspirations are, and uh, it's it's serving their country, and uh, they're part of the ultimate team uh there and i'm sure there's a sense of uh reality uh for uh the golden knights uh in in, in what they went through and uh you're up at west point there's the the collegiate part uh, there's uh the athletic uh parts uh there's uh, the military aspect uh, to it and the uniforms and the uh, the structure of it but uh, there, there's also the ultimate sacrifice uh, mm-hmm. that goes with it and the, the, the cemetery is, is there and uh, fallen soldiers uh, remembered uh, there. And I think that uh, that, that is uh, something that uh, whether you've won three Stanley Cups like Alec Martinez or you're breaking into the National Hockey League uh, off of uh, half a season and won your first in Paul Cotter and everybody else in between, uh, being on campus of West Point or being uh, in a place that uh, you can observe uh the, the sights of people that have made that ultimate uh, sacrifice for your country, for freedom, uh, goes and transcends beyond sports. And I think that there's a, a real uh, sense of reality uh, mm-hmm. that, uh, that was available to the players beyond being a professional athlete and acknowledged by, uh, by students today.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's, it's humbling to a degree right and then i think that it provides perspective and you know perspective is is something that you know you you kind of at times can lose sight of just in just in general everyday life right like you you go through you know issues or or problems or bad days at work or whatever it might be and you know there's a there's a real opportunity on a day-to-day basis to kind of lose that perspective of you know, certain things that are incredibly important. But, you know, the fact of the matter is you, you look at the the kids, the the students that go to West Point, what they're ultimately uh, there to do, what they're ultimately there to do once they graduate is to, to help this country, protect this country. And, and you know, a, a, a big freedom that, that a lot of people have just in terms of living here is that they get to cheer for their sports teams. They get to come and play a game for a living, and I think that when you have those moments where you can kind of put life in perspective that way, uh, it, it it's it's an incredibly humbling experience.
0: So the Golden Knights win last night against the New York Islanders, or Patrick Baugh, as it's now being termed. Okay. Like it, it is. Like Patrick yeah. Baugh has yeah. taken over as the face of that franchise. Is there another coach? Or when was the last time that a coach had that type of standing? Within an organization, and that's no offense to uh, Bruce Cassidy, who I'm sure wouldn't want that. uh, Or uh, Mike Keenan was huge uh, in his persona, and second time I mentioned Mike in the last couple hours, I'll have to reach out to him and tell him that he's uh, really on top of my mind. Uh, But there's there's there are big personalities Mm -hmm. uh, behind the bench. Uh, Bill Belichick is uh, was like that. With, sure. with the New England Patriots, where it was Bill, and then it was kind of like the Patriots after Tom left. Uh, but is there is there another comparable? Is there anybody on Patrick's level when it comes to, when you think of a team, how far down until you get to the coach? Uh, I think of the New York Islanders, and he's he's right there with the New York, mm-hmm. and he might be ahead of the Islanders part.
1: Yeah, I, that's, that's a really good question in that I – you know, I'm inclined to say that there's a guy that probably should be in that discussion in the same way that you view Bill Belichick and and that's you know, for all intents and purposes, to me, John Cooper. But you you look at all the names that are on the Tampa Bay Lightning. You still you don't think of Cooper first. You think of Kucherov yeah. and Stamkos and Hedman. Even and though Cooper's would,
0: never won a Coach of the Year, which Jack is Adams.
1: ridiculous. Um, I I don't know. I mean, like, listen, you're you're not wrong in that it is Patrick Waugh and the New York Islanders. It's not the New York Islanders and Patrick Waugh. It's just you know it, it'll be interesting to see kind of how long it takes Patrick to like really get ingrained the, the, the message that he's trying to send and, and how high the, the Islanders can fly at this point.
0: I said this on the podcast today. His knowledge, strategic, tactical, X and O's, mm-hmm. is really underappreciated. His level and attention to detail is extreme, but it will always be third or fourth Behind his passion mm-hmm. and his and his love for the game and his desire to win, that's just the way he's built, and uh, that that is the perfect person to put in. Next year, you can put a lot of stuff in place. You've got thirty ish games left uh, for for the New York Islanders this year. Uh, he is right inserted into an absolute brutal battle. To get into the Stanley Cup playoffs yeah. inside that Eastern Conference. You are going to need his passion, every ounce of that passion, to get in. And can he tweak along the way with Doug Uda and, and John McClain? Probably. Mm-hmm. But it, he's a motivator first right now and a uh, statistician uh, second. And that's the way uh, it'll, it'll, it'll work with, uh, with Patrick. Well, I, I didn't see Lou and Patrick working together, never. Uh, this is another great surprise out of Lou Lemorel. Every time I underestimate him or think that uh, something can happen, uh, Lou will go out and, uh, and make me think twice uh, about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't see them uh, working for uh, or with each other especially with the way Patrick left Colorado. But he admitted that was a mistake, uh, sure. yeah. what, what he did when he overstepped his, his boundaries in, in a demand for control uh, with the Colorado Avalanche. So uh, that's, uh, that's fun to watch. Uh, Vegas beats the Islanders in a gutsy performance last night and getting 40 saves out of Aiden Hill uh, off of uh, a performance in which they fell in overtime against the New Jersey Devils. Let's get to our, our game rating on this one to alcohol the cause of and solution to all of life's problems yeah!
2: Fill in that's guy, awesome stuff sorry about that uh, by the way
0: no 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 I I actually uh, forgot that it was you running the board and not Chapman and the fact that you were there with that intro right there is unbelievably incredibly on the spot. So well done. Uh, stick tap to uh, Jared Justice uh, for being uh, in the room and uh, reading my cadence there because not all easy, easy to follow along uh, with me. So let's start with the, the Devils game, and then we'll go into the Islanders contest, uh, Ryan.
1: All right. So the Devils game for me is pretty much a, a, a gin. It's a two out of five. And, and, like, you score five goals, you have a two-goal lead late in the second period, all you got to do is get to the intermission. All you got to do is kind of tighten up your game way too loose for the golden Knights. Obviously it was one of those losses that did not sit well with Bruce Cassidy at all. It was, we've talked about and documented already here on the program. I'm not going to go so far as to say that it is a fireball. I think that again, you know, you look at the golden Knights putting five on the board, like offensively they were going, I thought it was a great response from a tough first period by Ivan Barbashev and John of the and Nick wah. Uh, but again, You know, you have a two goal lead and you score five on the road, that should be an automatic win. It wasn't. So I'm going two out of five there.
0: All right. I went uh, above you and I started with a three, uh, believe it or not. And Mm -hmm. uh, I know that that's a a slight uh, accelerant uh, from uh, where you uh, ended up, but. I actually bumped it up to a four. And follow along with me on this. And all your points are are absolutely uh, well made. In not being able to hold a lead and and you score a bunch of goals, you should be able to win that game. But uh, I'll start with uh, the the fact that they uh, were down 3-1 and came back and scored a season-high four goals in a period, in that uh-huh. second period, and were able to, to grab the two-goal lead. So you score five goals, and you erupt in the second period, and you erase the deficit. That all is great. Uh, then you uh, aren't able to hold the lead, uh, which uh, draws it back a little bit. But the impact of that game, goes from a three because you do get a single point out of it and you scored five goals and you got a bunch of offense without a couple of your best players. That's all good by, by that and getting a point out of the game. It made it a three. What bumped it up to a four was Bruce Cassidy's comments after, and those comments will have a lasting impact and an influence on the season. Mm -hmm. So, That game in itself is only one point in the standings. But the coaching part of it in pushing his team, maybe that impacts last night. We don't know. But does that have spillover and cause Vegas to be really dialed in uh, the next night against the New York Islanders? And they get the two points. So uh, or do, do they end up beating the Rangers or, or get three out of four this weekend? Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But that's where it goes. The impact of the postgame takes it from a three out of five to a four out of five because of what he was able to do and potentially influence this team down the road by marking his line in the sand and letting the players know what's acceptable mm-hmm. and what is not acceptable. And there was some colorful uh, uh, language in that. Mm-hmm. There was some interesting uh, dialogue in that, uh, but it all got to the same point. And he was, and he called himself out too sure. uh, in that. Uh, he was also complimentary to players. Uh, that kind of got lost in in uh, all the sound bites. But he was uh, very, very uh, proud of uh, of uh, the the offensive performance of this team. So that's that's the. Angle that I take from moving it from uh, your two to a standard three, bumping it up to a four. That is damn good scotch. I got to do a commercial for this thing. Boy, that Hennigan goes down smooth, and afterwards you don't even smell.
1: Okay, so I, I, the only thing I'm going to say is that. If we want to do a, a, a rating system for Bruce Cassidy's post-game press conferences, we should divorce that from the score of the game. The game is absolutely not a four, but if we want to talk about how masterful a job it was from Bruce Cassidy after the Devils lost, that's not a four. That's a Dom P, baby. That's a five out of five. It was amazing from Bruce Cassidy after that game.
0: I'm lumping it all together. Until you leave the rink, it's all part of the same night. Uh, now, the next night, They Mm -hmm. followed up, and what an opportunity to play back-to-back. It was perfect. Uh, They didn't even have Aiden Hill backing up on uh, the game against the New Jersey Devils because they didn't want to have him put in a situation where he would have to go in off the bench and be cold. So he goes from uh, missing another game to back in, making his return. He played six minutes in uh, two months of action. It was his third attempt to get back into the swing of things from uh, leaving early against Ottawa and uh, not being able to go after the morning skate against Colorado Avalanche everything was locked in on Aiden Hill and he got to just edge his way into the game and he didn't was not barraged uh with pucks in in the first period and after that he had ended up being much more of a factor than they intended mm-hmm. uh to be in that game which ended up being uh, a victory for the Golden Knights where are you in the Islanders victory
1: yeah, it's a Dom P for me. It's a five out of five. and and I'm gonna tell you why the the result of the game was fantastic. But when you get Aiden Hill completing his first game since november twenty seventh, and making 40 saves, and looking like he did not miss the last two months, looking every bit like Aiden Hill from the playoff run last season and the beginning of this season, that's huge for the Vegas Golden Knights. Defensively, they were much better. I know that the shot totals were pretty high, but again, I think that there was a concerted effort to play the right way for Vegas. Timely goals, opportunistic in the second period. Uh, That's all great, but uh, the the real story coming out of last night is the – the reemergence and in, in, in the, the ability for Aiden Hill to go in, finish a game, and be the number one star far and away.
0: A high praise from Ryan Wallace for the victory over the New York Islanders. Uh, no odd man rushes uh, to really speak of uh, no breakaways uh, that they gave up uh, much tighter, different team. Like the, the, the New York Islanders are not the New Jersey devils, which uh, really do lean on their skill in getting up ice uh, with that. But, uh, but they, they were a, a focused team uh, yesterday against the New York Islanders. Uh, I look, Waugh uh, getting it done. Uh, we're we watching uh, the emergence of that top six and being able to contribute. Uh, not blank. Uh, Sheldon Rempel scoring. Quite honestly, was uh, was a moment. He played a, a team low in ice time, mm-hmm. uh, eight minutes last night, but uh, got forty four seconds on, on the on the power play. So he goes from uh, uh, scoring a on a career year in the American Hockey League. This guy scored 59 goals one year in junior, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, he, he's, he knows this, but he's also being used in a depth uh, role. When he's out there in the power play uh, for his goal, he comes up the uh, right way. And there's another example of Bruce Cassidy coaching his way to a victory. He put Rempel in last night as he takes Brendan Bresson out uh, just – Back-to-back games, the kids had a crazy uh, week, and Bruce talked about how it might be a more physical game. So he puts a, a more experienced, a veteran guy in. Uh, that was a coaching decision that that pays off. He gets in the, he should get an assist on Rempel's goal uh, because not only does he put Rempel in the in the lineup, but he puts him on the second power play unit. And being frustrated with the first unit after 45 seconds, he takes them right up. Doesn't doesn't give another chance after they went offside. Mm-hmm. The second unit comes down, and I love this about Rempel. Uh, he gets to the hash marks and doesn't think about doing a button hook or stopping on the boards and setting up the power play. He's a shooter. He's a goal scorer. He takes his shot. And Darren Elliott uh, was uh, uh, convinced that he would go short side because he goes short side a lot. He he changed it up a little bit, went far post and in. That's, that's like three centimeters metric, uh, a couple of inches away from, uh, or an inch and a half away from, Missing that, going all the way out and could go down the ice against mm-hmm. you, but uh, you got to be that fine to score in the National Hockey League, and he made it happen. And uh, just with the veteran performance and and. Then Sheldon Rempel scoring his first goal. I love Nick Waugh going over and grabbing the puck, too. Yeah. Nobody in the building seemed to know uh, other than the guys. Maybe they didn't know that that was uh, Rempel's first goal uh, when he scored it as well until you, you get back to the bench, and it's like, that that's my first goal. Really? Well, you probably thought that he had one. Uh, Nick goes over and, and gets the puck uh, from the official, and Aiden Hill backstopping. I thought... Uh, Petrangelo and Martinez were dialed in uh, uh, really, really well uh, again. So I'm, I'm with you. It was it was a five in the follow up and being able to do it and and Marceau being able to uh, uh, produce uh, uh, where uh, where he uh, picks up a point against his former junior club at uh, uh, junior head coach uh, in in Patrick was a, was a neat
2: experience. I have here a 1921 bottle of Dom Perignon, unopened. Oh, yeah, time to party like it's your birthday. Popping bottles in the pawn shop. <laughs> you're, you're dialed in there today, Jared. I mean, I'm just literally pushing a button after you say a word. But but you found the drops today. <clears throat>
0: Normally, there's uh, a little bit of confusion of you're, you're overwhelmed by the number of opportunities to play and which one to play.
2: Well, those, I mean, you guys... Genuinely have an absurd amount of drops for a two-hour show, um, and a lot of them get zoomed in so far that I don't even know like what I'm about to click. In an alluring
0: sculpted body. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's how many hours would we have to be on the air to justify how many drops we have in that computer?
2: Uh, seven. That oh, would I be. Almost,
1: I said six. I was saying six in my mind.
2: Uh, it's it's a lot and you guys would have to reference like a lot of things that are kind of nonsensical for them to make any sense from what I can tell from here. Any examples? Um, They're there because they win. Not because they act like fish. Like what had you said act like fish or something (laughs) like on a consistent basis, that would make sense as a drop.
1: Not because they act like fish. I, it. I, I, I mean I've seen
0: all, all of Don's stuff and I don't even know what he was talking about. Oh, he was he
1: was talking about the storm surge.
0: Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah, he didn't not, like the storm surge. Not a big fan very, of that, no.
1: Very much. Didn't like fun very much.
0: bunch, bunch of uh know, Don's a, Donza he he didn't mind fun, but he didn't like non-traditional actions. Okay. In uh, in the sport of hockey, we're a very conservative sport. Don was at the head of uh, of that uh, campaign to keep it a very traditional. Part sport. of but, me uh, feels
1: like celebrating a win after a win is pretty conventional. Yeah, not you you know, you know where Don's coming from. No, I I, I understand where he's coming from. I just I don't I don't believe that. That's just me, though. He Don- very very different perspectives. I like Don. Uh,
0: I haven't talked to Don in, in a while. used to run into him all the time. Mm. Uh, let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, we will get into one-timers, news and notes around the National Hockey League. Uh, a couple of days without this segment has given us uh, a lot to uh, run through. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. <laughs> While well, there's some NHL rumblings that have become a lot clearer when it comes to Salt Lake City. Smith Entertainment Group, the parent company of the NBA's Utah Jazz, has now formally requested the National Hockey League initiate an expansion process for the purpose of bringing the NHL to the state of Utah. SEG, uh, that's uh, with uh, Ryan Smith is the chairman. Ashley Smith, uh, also part of that. Uh, she's the governor of the Utah Jazz. Uh, they are looking and uh, have been in discussions with the National Hockey League for now a couple of years, about a year and a half, and they would like an expansion team. They say they can play uh, out of uh, the Delta Center, the former Delta Center. I don't know what it's called now. Uh, do you know what that what that building's called? It's downtown where the Utah Jazz play. No uh, clue. They they could play I'll there. Google it. They've got obstructed seats though for hockey. Uh, because I've been there for a couple of preseason games that the Golden Knights uh, have played uh, that's where they held the figure skating and short track speed skating at the 2002 uh, Olympic Winter Games uh, but uh, they're going to get a new building uh, that's part of a bid for uh, the Olympic Games uh, coming up uh, the next uh, next uh, decade so uh, 2034 is when that uh, bid uh, has been uh, tabled for so they can they could put an expansion team in next year in Utah, or they can wait until the new building has uh, has been built. But this uh, this release by the Smith Entertainment Group uh, to formally acknowledge that their interest in the National Hockey League sounds very similar to the way Bill Foley went about it. Uh, there's conversations behind the scenes, uh, but you don't you do it in a uh, matter. That works with the National Hockey League. They don't want to be put in a position where they're responding to something that you say. I'm sure this was uh, put forward uh, to the NHL that it is going to be made. Can we do this? Do you have, what's your uh, reply going to be from Gary Bettman uh, back and forth? Uh, this I don't know whether they're going to expand, Ryan, or they'll relocate a franchise. But uh, but this does follow a a much more positive approach than what I've seen from Jim Balsley in the past uh, where he tried to buy the Nashville Predators and uh, and the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, and and tried to just take a team and, and move it there. This is uh, more what the National Hockey League likes to see. Delta Center. Delta Center. So it is still the Delta Center. I thought it had changed names, but because uh, uh, that Delta Center, it's been that uh, for a long time. So thank you, Jared. I, I just assumed that it would have changed names by now.
2: I mean, Delta's still around, I guess. It is, but <laughs> buildings change names, right? Uh, well, so that's, mean, uh the Staples Center's, no, I mean, our, when was the last time you went to a Staples? Well, Staples well, Center isn't the name anymore. anymore I know.
1: Yeah. Uh, oh, God, I gotcha.
2: There we are. Oh, Let's God. go uh, and
0: uh, just get some reaction on this. So w- did this surprise you at all, uh, hearing the formal uh, acknowledgement from the Smith Entertainment Group that they would like an NHL team in Salt Lake City?
1: No, I mean, it didn't surprise me that much. I, I mean, I, I think that the, the location makes sense, obviously, in, just in terms of, um, you know, support, I would imagine, for a, a, a winter sport in hockey, I think, makes a lot of sense in Salt Lake City. Uh, that being said, I, if I had my druthers, I would go the relocation route over the expansion route, just simply because it's been kind of a lot of expansion, obviously recently for the, the National Hockey League. I, I think you're in a really good spot right now with 32 teams and, and eight teams in each division. Um, so I, I wonder if it, you know, if it continues to progress in, in that direction, whether or not we're looking at relocation or expansion. I
0: think that they're headed towards 34. I know it sounds far fetched compared to where we were ten years ago, certainly thirty years ago. But I think they're they're trending towards thirty four. Whether it happens this decade or twenty thirties, I I can't tell you, but I'm certainly more on the train that it is going to happen than I was a while ago where I thought there's no way. they, they yeah, and why do why do you have to go thirty uh, four? You need uh, one on each each side. It will offset the conferences a little bit, the divisions a little bit, and you'll get into uh, back into that. But uh, but I can I can see it happen. Now I'll tell you one thing that I've heard. And there's no basis. I've just heard this. I shouldn't even repeat it, but I will because it's Sports Talk Radio. <laughs> we, we we have some fun. Uh, I have heard that uh, the National Hockey League will put a team in. That, that Arizona would relocate to Houston. Mm-hmm. There would be a team in Atlanta, back to Atlanta, third time. And then if when Houston gets, or when Atlanta, I'm not trying, how do I say this? When Phoenix gets its sort of stuff in order, they would put a team back in, in, in Phoenix, and then Quebec City would come into play. That was before this. Uh, with us, Houston, uh, uh, which was always thought to be the front runner uh, ahead of Salt Lake City. But uh, Salt Lake City may may end up being, uh, this may be a play by Salt Lake City to, to try and move them to the to the front uh, of the path. Everything they put into uh, Phoenix, I'd be surprised if they ever just pulled out and then said, you build your arena, we'll go right back. I don't think that uh, Gary, if he's out of there, I think he's out of there for uh, a good while. Uh, Peter Mrazek has signed a two-year contract with the Chicago Blackhawks. They've been busy lately, taking care of some of their uh, free agents, and uh, he gets the contract, the goaltender, for a about uh, just over four million dollars uh, AAV with that uh, with that two-year deal. But uh, he's he's been a really positive influence on that team mm-hmm. He joins uh, Nick Foligno, who signed a two-year deal uh, last week, and Jason Dickinson, who also inked uh, a multi-year extension with the Chicago Blackhawks. So they're taking care of a, a few guys who have done some pretty good work uh, in the rebuild process.
1: Well, you need players to, to kind of push you in the right direction, and you know, Nick Felino, as you mentioned, Jason Dickinson, those are two guys that, that can certainly uh, give you good play on the ice as well as leadership off the ice. And then you've got Peter Morazek, who, as you mentioned, uh, has, has really been good for the Chicago Blackhawks and, and been good for that room and been good for, uh, you know, the team. And you've got kind of a trajectory now with Connor Bedard in the mix. And you're going to need guys that can kind of set the tone that way. And I think Morazek fits into that.
0: But you also have guys that you could have dealt at the trade deadline could have and acquired more assets Get now we're, we're we're in a time period right now in the national hockey league where there's almost 10 teams that we're knocking on double digits of teams that would look at improving their goaltending and there's three or four that are desperate to improve their goaltending wonder how many people knocked on the door and looking at peter mrazik now mrazik's been hit and miss over the course of his career. He's in fact, his, his game is perfect for Chicago because there's not a lot of pressure. You, you have to be able to withstand uh, a barrage and you're not going to do a lot of winning and you got to be positive and you got to be uh, able to hold your team in stuff, but you don't have to like win a, a lot of games where right? there's not that type of expectations. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm a little surprised that they, that they inked them this far out from the, from the trade deadline, knowing uh, what is, uh, is a very sought-after commodity in the NHL.
1: Yeah, I mean, to a degree, it, you're right. Like, there's, there's certainly, or at least it feels like, there were assets to be gained in terms of some of those trades, specifically with a Nick Felino or a Jason Dickinson or, or a Peter Morazic. But again, I, I think you have to kind of assess what those players might be able to do for you not just this season but next season and in the future and trying to rebuild a winning culture and i think when you look at the likes of Felino and, and and dickinson like those are two players that can set you in that direction and you need somebody to stop the Pucks. like they've been ravaged by injuries all season long um you still have to try to go out there and win games
0: yeah you're, you're trying to reinstall uh, a culture with your group that uh, you can build off of and uh, that uh, makes it a little more important to have that position taken care of. If that position is wonky, then you're, uh, it, it just doesn't send the, a great message. People get a little more frustrated. Uh, Patrick Waugh going back to uh, Montreal tomorrow. Uh, third game with the New York Islanders and it's going to be uh, in the uh, La Belle Provence. So that, uh, that's going to be fun. There's going to be incredible amount of intensity on that game tomorrow
1: yeah for sure um i i feel like the islanders are going to win like patrick waugh he is a competitor he's going to have his team prepared and ready to go like i know he said that he doesn't want any of the noise to surround him in that game he wants it just to be about the team on the ice but it's a big moment it's a a, a big situation and i would be shocked if the islanders don't come through for their new coach
0: you got to start putting some wins together they're close and I, I like their team, and uh, I, I really like their blue line. Uh, in fact, uh, what the New York Islanders have—if uh, if they don't make it, it'll be a disappointment. Uh, but uh, given everybody that had, I'll be disappointed because I, I expect them to be right in the mix. Not not that they would uh, uh, be fearful of letting me down, but uh, but I, I think that I think uh, they're,
1: I think Lou is like. Losing sleep over it.
0: Uh, Lou, Lou, and I have had some conversations before.
1: That's what I'm saying. I think he's losing sleep over it. He and doesn't want to let you down.
0: I can tell you this. How can Lou, he look himself in the mirror? Lou will not be worried about me. In in the case of uh, in my experience in, in having conversations before, he's he's so funny. He's very he's very friendly, mm-hmm. but he's all business. Yeah. And then you sit down, and you talk to him, and he's like, okay, let's uh, let's have a conversation. Then I'll ask him some questions, uh, or I've asked him questions that, uh, that you would uh, like to get uh, some. They would be on the edge of uh, not pushy, but uh, you, you don't know <laughs> you how it's going to go. This and so much. And, well, because you want answers, right? and, yeah, and that's what I'm and saying. Lou is, Lou is great. Lou is like, well, I'm not going to talk about it. It's, it's not even like dancing around it mm-hmm. or giving you an answer where there's an answer, but there's no answer in it. One of those politician answers. Mm-hmm. Just loose end. I'm not going to
1: talk about that. I'm not going to do that. Yeah.
0: And then you're like, okay. I uh, appreciate let's it. Go, let's go uh, somewhere else on this. Uh, you fall in the National Hockey League tonight, and uh, I think there's nine games in the NHL uh, tonight, and this is uh, a situation where... Uh, you've got more teams that are on the edge and there's, there's a little bit of separation coming uh, in, in a couple of different situations. By the way, Connor McDavid isn't pushing for the scoring title nearly as much as I thought he would through a 14 game winning streak. Mm-hmm. Like I, you tell me Edmonton wins 14 in a row. Uh, I'd predict that Connor McDavid would be right there. Uh, Kucherov and Pashnak and company, but uh but he's, uh, he's actually not right now, which gives you an idea, a real idea, that uh, that the Oilers are doing it in different ways. But uh, what do you got for some scores right now, Ryan?
1: Well, I, I'd have every score up and running if my NHL media site was loading, but it's not. <laughs> really? Yeah, no, like legitimately I'm looking at a, a circle around the NHL symbol, and it's literally not loading for me.
0: You know what's funny is I asked you. Mm-hmm. Because mine isn't loading either.
1: Yeah, you didn't. You didn't think that. Well, you. Well, yeah. Well, I just
0: thought it was. It was my. It's just you. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let me see. I'll, hold
1: on. I'll hold on. Hold on. Go over to you. But I've uh, got uh, mine wouldn't load. <laughs> I've got a scoreless game between the Jets and the Maple Leafs at the end of the second period.
0: That's a big game for for Toronto to mm-hmm. try and answer to the attention that Winnipeg's getting mm-hmm. as the best team in Canada.
1: Oh come on! Like the Toronto Maple Leafs aren't even close to the best team in Canada. No, but. Uh, I, I, they, I know that's what, you're what I mean yeah.
0: Toronto has has fallen behind the likes mm-hmm. of Winnipeg and Vancouver so I think optically that's a big game for Toronto
1: it, it is and you know we'll, we'll see if they rise to the occasion it's it's you know not April yet so maybe they will uh you've got the Florida Panthers up four to nothing on the Arizona coyotes with about three and a half minutes left in the second period and Carolinas up one to nothing on Boston. Yeah. 12, 13 minutes or so. Left Sam Reinhardt seconds.
0: scored his 35th in that game for the Florida Panthers. Yeah, he's ridiculous. He's pushing Austin Matthews yeah. right now. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Kachuk also has a has a couple of goals. Uh, other games uh, to come your way tonight. The Kraken had that great run, and then now they've slid again. And they're they're falling back. Mm-hmm. Big game tonight for the St. Louis Blues. Uh, they're in Vancouver. Blues uh, had rescued... Uh, a victory from defeat the other night against the Calgary Flames. Uh, so they're uh, on a back-to-back to trying to get uh, into that. And the Los Angeles Kings are at home to the Buffalo Sabres. The LA Kings lost in a shootout to San Jose. Yeah. Now, San Jose's got some players back, including Logan mm-hmm. Couture. Yep. So they're, they're a different team. Now, I'm not going to just say LA should have wiped the table with them, but that was a game LA needed to to get two points out of, and they were they were really battling against it all night. They were chasing the game all night. This is one where y- you can't lose to San Jose and Buffalo in consecutive games at home mm-hmm. and not have the temperature get turned up. <laughs> now, Todd McClellan got a vote of confidence from Rob Blake last mm-hmm. week. That was great. but I, I And he's handling Pierre-Luc Dubois with some tough love. That's a challenge. Uh, so he's trying to, he's not walking on eggshells, but it's it's getting uncomfortable with the L.A. Kings.
1: Well, going back to Mike's call, have you ever heard a coach be that angry after a game? All you got to do is listen to Todd McClellan when he's talking about Pierre-Luc Dubois and the frustration that's boiling over there. Yeah. Obviously, it's not going well in L.A., but you're right. They, they cannot lose to the Buffalo Sabres.
0: Tell you about a conversation I had with a a big name from the hockey world 25 years ago. That's coming up as we continue on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Jeff away. He's following the Vegas Golden Knights on the road trip, so here's Jared.
2: All right, guys. I noticed, uh, and by the way, we only have like two minutes left in this whole thing, so I'm going to be panicked here in about 30 seconds. So I noticed that uh, you, uh, Darren, said metric, like you were really proud. Did you know that the USA would already be, would have, Converted to the metric system in 1793, had pirates not stolen their standardized uh, meter and kilogram, really? Yeah, they like the standardized unit of measurement was on its way to Washington D.C. and pirates stole it. <laughs> and they didn't try again. Nope, that was pretty much a uh, clear indication of all right. Well, this isn't for us. We're gonna stick with uh, we're gonna stick with uh, pounds and feet. Imagine if that would have happened with gold pirates stealing the gold. We don't want any gold. The pirates got it. They, they tried again with the gold. They, they stuck with that. I just find it fascinating that it's like, yeah, genuinely like, ah, pirates got it. We're good. We're good. We're done. Like, that that kind of smells of something that
0: they were looking for an excuse to avoid.
2: Doesn't it? I mean, kind of. I also think it's funny that we then went to war with pirates around that time in the, like, <laughs> 18, like 1803, like within the last like 10 years of that, we went to war with pirates and, but we were like, no, no, you guys keep the kilometer. We're just going to fight you. (laughs) Don't use that ruler on
0: us. Uh, thanks to Jared Just for being with us. Uh, talk to Alexander Degg today on the podcast. I'll fill you in on that conversation tomorrow uh, because it uh, really interesting. He's got a couple of projects uh, going, uh, and there's a name from the past, Alexander Deg, First overall pick of the Ottawa Senators, and then he was out of the game by 25. Thanks to Ryan. Thanks to Jared. Thanks to you for listening. We'll be back with you tomorrow on Fox Sports Las Vegas.